Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of a priest and a rabbi. My name is Father Christian here in Steered, Florida. And next to me is the best darn good looking rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River with his dog. It is Rabbi Durbin. And together we make a priest and a rabbi podcast. Today, we are going to discuss the press in our society. We're going to be looking at it through a biblical lens of saying, does the press somehow fit into that uh, prophetic-like voice that we need? And when that voice is questioned and challenged, as we've seen over probably the last 10, 15 years, but most specifically in the last four years, where do we find truth? So Rabbi, uh, who are we going to bring on today to talk about that? So we're actually really excited. We're bringing on uh, one of our most beloved journalists uh, here in Stewart, Florida, um, our columnist, Gil Smart. Um, I know from a temple perspective, we we know Gil really well as he has covered our temple from our Holocaust Torah that, uh, that we inaugurated to our congregation to uh, many other of our programs uh, that we've offered through the Rappaport Center. Um, he knows our community well. Um, he's a great journalist, um, has a lot of experience here and certainly in his previous life um, out in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's an important conversation to have in terms of what is the role of the media? And also beyond the role of the media, where has the decline been in terms of the integrity and the respect that we give that perhaps maybe we had at one time that has been eroded away um, today? And how do we build it back up so that we can really have that... Um, that ability to. <laughs> you just had a brain fart. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm still. It, it, <laughs> no, I think yes. Yes. Yeah, so we, we are going to talk about how important it is to have the role of the press. And if that is challenged, uh, what does that mean for our society? Because as Judeo-Christians, we are community builders. Uh, we love on our community. We all have a role. And we're going to make an argument today that the, the press is a huge role in that. And since it's been challenged and diminished in their credibility, uh, what does that mean to our society? And how do we restore that in a way? And where do we go to find press that's really giving you straight and honest, uh, uh, pitched right down the middle so you know you're getting facts and maybe some opinion afterwards. But as you said, Rabbi, uh, give me the facts first, then tell me about your commentary, and then allow me uh, to do the critical thinking on it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have Gil Smart from TC Palm coming in on today's podcast. It's going to be a great show. We can just feel it. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's 2021. The world is getting crazy, but God is greater. So let's get a move on it. Are you ready to go, Rabbi? I am. Uh, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm energized. I'm supercharged. Let's do it. All right. Seven eight nine is our producer from the Mets. He is going to get us rocking and roll. Let's get ready on this podcast. Subscribe, like, and share with everyone, even those who don't like us. WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Payam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. What is happening? Muzzle Tov, it is a priest and a rabbi. My name is Father Christian here from St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart, Florida. Um, next to me is the best darn good looking rabbi you have seen this side of the Jordan River, the man with the hair, the man with the plan, and it's the man with four women at home taking good care of him. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbin. Brother, Rabbi, how are you this morning? Do you miss me? Do you care for me? Are you against my person? No, you know, it's, um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm grateful and excited to see you this morning. Um, you know, it's been a long time since you and I have had the opportunity to be uh, in the same room, in the same space. I mean, I think it's, it, it's been, what, 10 months since we've had this opportunity. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm invigorated. I am uh, full of life, but I am slightly also, um, I'm sad that we haven't had the opportunity to really, to really come together. That's right. That's right. And soon and very soon. But if, if, uh, I, I, at least we have this wonderful technology that just loves us to hold our spiritual hands together. So if you guys are new to the show, uh, I am a priest. Rabbi Durbin, of course, is a rabbi, as his title says. Uh, we like to talk about relevant topics here that are happening locally and nationally, um, always through a lens of faith, through a Judeo-Christian lens. Many times we agree. Also, we many times we disagree. But it's a lot of fun because Rabbi Durbin doesn't back down and he usually puts me in my place. Usually, um, if he doesn't, then he calls his wife, who's also a rabbi, and then she puts me in my place. Um, mm -hmm. So today we want to talk about this, uh, um, the role of the press in building a community and building a society, um, or maybe keeping a just and uh, fair society. So Rabbi, you and I, we, we do it a lot. We bring on a lot of community leaders uh, and national leaders who are doing their part in trying to build a just and fair society. Both our faiths are, uh, we believe in a God who uh, is a communal God, is a relational God, who doesn't send us all to be individuals, to go off in our own little caves and just do our own thing. Uh, he calls us to be selfless, calls us to be collectivist, um, and to, to build really vibrant communities together. Um, and uh, so we all play a role in that. Uh, the, the, the media, uh, traditionally has played a big role in a form of checks and balances and uh, doing investigative journalism. Uh, my grandfather was a journalist and it was a respected position and they would uh, just help keep things in line and they, be, they would do, they would keep us honest. So we've seen, uh, particularly in the last four years, that the press has just taken such a hit, right? And to the point like, do you even trust them? Uh, but I also wonder too, uh, Father Anderson, you know, how much of it too is Although the media may present and and show us as as individuals, you know, uh, the news of what is being reported, it seems as if in most recent years that the news plays a very small part and commentary on it plays a much larger role. And I think the commentary is one of the things that is is great in some regard but is also slightly damaging in some way because it, it doesn't allow for us uh, the opportunity to really see you know honest and, and 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 real reporting of what situationally is going on um i think you know as we discussed look the role of the media is an important one it is a um it is a special relationship it is one that is really needed but where has the integrity of the press where has the role gone and really, you know, is there a need or what is the need for real, true investigative journalism 
that that really presents the 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 picture that we see. So do you think, I mean, so today on, on the show, we're going to bring in Gil Smart. So all of us who are listening on 1450 AM, uh, and I say that because this show is also podcasted and is available in about 36 countries right now. Uh, but if for all of you local know who Gil Smart is, he is the leading columnist for TC Palm. So he's reporting on Martin County, San Lucie County. He does a lot of great reporting um, and he's not afraid to stir the pot. And uh, so we're going to he's going to be coming on just a little bit and we'll be talking about what is it like to really walk in his shoes? Uh, has he ch had to change his ways uh, in the last four years since the heat, the temperature has turned up uh, on on the press? Um, and so uh, let's get right to it. And I think he just uh, flew in um, from the uh, on Zoom Airlines from his office in Guitar Land. And where um, my arms tired. Yes. Your arms are tired. <laughs> Gil Smart is here, the columnist for TC Palm. And, and on his screen, he is just surrounded by guitars. We, and, and I thought I saw that when I was doing my investigative journalism of you. Uh, there was a picture of you in a band. Are you also a musician? Yeah, uh, not, yeah I haven't been in a band in a while. But uh, yeah, this is my home office here. And we had, uh, I don't have, because I've got three kids, they've all got their own bedroom and stuff. You know, we don't have a, a, a separate room at this point for all the music stuff. There used to be a separate room for the music stuff. So we just hung the guitars here in the office because, you know, if I'm sitting here trying to write something and I need a break, I'll grab one and noodle around for a few minutes. It's a good uh, good time waster, I guess. So is there any hope that during this interview, you might be able to maybe put your thoughts in a musical stanza and, and just do an impromptu couple, couple, sing a couple bars for us? None whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Good try, though. Yeah, I mean, we could make a trade. The rabbi and I could pray and do us a blessing, and you know, bless your house through Zoom. All right, anyhow, so um, so Gil is here. We're great to have you here. If you guys don't know, go check out. All you got to do is just Google Gil Smart. Um, you'll see all this work that he's done uh, here locally in Southeast Florida with uh, TC Palm Stewart News. Um, but also, uh, Gil, tell us before you've only been in locally here for five or six years. Uh, where were you before? Uh, uh, coming here to Southeast Florida, what kind of work were you doing? Prior to this, I spent 22 years uh, in my hometown, actually, uh, working with Lancaster newspapers. I was an editor. I was an investigative reporter. I was a columnist for all that time. Uh, so I wore a lot of hats up there over the years, uh, but uh, I've been down here since uh, December 2015. Uh, a change of, change of scenery was very nice, and it's a lot warmer down here you know, than it is up there, so. Well, the good thing too is that you were able to get away from that horror, horrible place of Pittsburgh. And uh, <laughs> no, as no, a Cleveland I, fan, as I a Cleveland like, fan, see, I feel like I, I went to college in Pittsburgh. I, I, I spent some time there when I was a kid. We spent, we lived there for a couple of years. I feel like Pittsburgh is my ancestral homeland. I'm a lifelong Steeler fan, you know. Uh, so if you're a Browns fan, I'll, I'll have to apologize for that up front. I'm a lifelong Steeler fan, Pirates fan, Penguins. You know, I just. Uh, I'm a Pittsburgh sports fan. Always have been through and through. So, well, you, you know, might Rabbi, see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll switch this a little bit. You might see that's a Pittsburgh Pirates banner. I, I saw that. You know, there, there is prescription yeah. medication for that. Rabbi, yeah. I know you got doctors. <laughs> so you it's ineffective, I understand, but that's all. Right. No, that's right. Uh, I will be eating all my words come this Sunday when you guys probably trounce us um, in the playoff game. I don't know. We'll see. So, anywho, all right. So let's let's get into this. So, uh, Gil, just just tell us what is it like for for you as a person of the press that it, what we hear and see on the on, on the streets, <laughs> we as just civilians, it, it it's just the the press has taken a beating um, over over the last four years, and the idea of questioning 
your role uh, and questioning your, your credibility. Uh, what has this been like for, 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 for you and your colleagues? You know, we, it's tough because uh, working in a local newsroom that's sort of devoted to covering, you know, our local community here on the Treasure Coast, the people that I work with are the consummate professionals, all right? They are out there, you know, literally it's the whole shoe leather journalism thing. They're out there in the communities, talking to people, talking to local officials, getting great pictures and images, doing their best to cover this community. But journalism, <clears throat> obviously, if you've seen any of the opinion polls of people's opinion of journalists is not good, uh, uh, you know, the industry is, is distrusted. There's a lot, of, a lot of people out there want journalism not to report the facts, but to report their side of the story. They see okay. the press as a vehicle for, for advancing their narrative or their ideology or their beliefs or whatever it is. And when the press doesn't do that, then they bash the press. Then the press is wrong. You know, then the press needs to cover the real story. Then the press, you know, is covering for somebody, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, there, that, there's always been an aspect of that. I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, there's always been an aspect of this, but it's really, really been ratcheted up over the last four, you know, four years, but even before that, you know, it began prior to Trump, but during the Trump era, it just sort of exploded. Well, how do you respond and how do you and your colleagues respond? You just put your head down and just keep on digging or if you have to change your strategy tactic or you just keep on doing what you do? I mean, no, I think we have to keep on and we do. We keep on doing what we do. And you know, our job is to cover the news in this community. Now, you know, again, if this were, you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post, a national paper, the agenda might be a little different. The approach is going to be different. But, you know, the problem is, though, I think a lot of people conflate, you know, your national, you know, national uh, publications with your local publications. It's just the press and the newspapers and the, all the press lies. Well, no, you know, the people in this community who work for T.C. Palm, my colleagues, myself, we live here. We care about this place. We want to know what's going on here and we want to bring that information to our neighbors, our friends, the other people who live in this community. So, you know, we don't, we haven't changed our approach, I don't think. You know, maybe some people get a little sensitive. Sometimes maybe, you know, it, it, it's easy sometimes when you're constantly barraged by criticism to maybe pull a punch. You know what I mean? If you right. are, if you, are uh, you know, investigating something, and, you know, but you, you've got to resist that urge Good investigative reporters always do. Uh, you know, you let, sort of let the, the, the chips fall where they may. Uh, so I don't think we've changed our, our approach, but I do think that there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, they, they go out, they, they don't understand what we do. They don't understand the ins and outs of, of what it takes to report a story, what it takes to investigate a story, the resources it takes. Uh, and unfortunately, all this is happening at a time when, uh, journalism as an industry is in a bit of a crisis. There was a report out uh, this week that said more journalists have been laid off from newsrooms across the country this past year, 2020, than any previous year on record. Sure. So newsrooms are shrinking. Uh, circulation has declined of the print newspaper, although digital subscriptions are up. More people are reading us online. So there's tremendous financial pressure uh, on the industry. At the same time, you have this pressure from the people, the readers, 
you know, you're, you're sort of getting it from both sides. So it's a, it's a tough row to hoe. It really is. And, and Gil, if we were to look at, you know, if you were to, to almost, you know, put your finger on, you know, one or two, you know, possible examples or, or challenges for, you know, the media in terms of, you know, the erosion of its integrity or, or, you know, the promotion of the news, you know, is there, is there one element or, or characteristic that you would point it to? Is it that, that as, as readers, we want more, we want, we want, you know, beyond the soundbite, we want to be able to, um, you know, read what we want to read and hear what we want to hear. And therefore, if it, if, if it runs counter to what we believe, we're just not going to believe it. I mean, or, you know, how do you see in the last few years, and certainly now in 2021, 2020, um, you know, the role of reestablishing ourselves from a, a media perspective um, to, to, you know, combat some of the challenges? Yeah, you know, I mean, we've discussed a little bit of this previously, the fact that the, and I use the term the media ecosystem, the media ecosystem has grown so large that regardless of what you believe, regardless of whether you're left or right, conservative or liberal or whatever it is, there's a news outlet out there that's ready to cater to you. I'll use the term pander in some cases. Excuse me, they're ready to pander to you. Uh, they're ready to, to reinforce your beliefs. They're ready to feed you stories that do reinforce those beliefs. They're, they're, they're ready to sort of spin things uh, in a direction that you want them to spin. You know, it's a very consumerist mindset. Right. You, it. you know what I mean? We want, you know, the consumerist mindset is we want what we want and we want it now. Well, when it comes to news, you know, that, that's kind of never really been how news was supposed to work, right? I looked up because I, I vaguely remember this. Uh, uh, so I looked it up and this was Adolf uh, Ox, uh, one of the founders, I guess, of the, uh, uh, the New York Times uh, said very famously, uh, if I can find it here, to give the news impartially without fear or favor, regardless of any party, sect, or interest involved, okay? I'm old school. I still believe that is and ought to be the journalist's mission, you know? Um, and, you know, the quick response, the knee-jerk response from a lot of people out there is going to be, oh, well, you know, the media is so biased that, they, you know, that's a fallacy anyway. It's always been a fallacy. I think it's an ideal to shoot for. You know, I, I think in this, at this moment in time, with so much, quote unquote, fake news, you know, out there, you know, and, and again, if, if I'm on the left, I think the fake news is on the right. If I'm on the right, I think all the fake news is on the left. How about journalism as an industry reestablishing that commitment to, you know, the facts, to what actually did happen, reporting that without fear or favor? That, to me, is what will save journalism. Okay, mm. because there's going to be a hunger out there. I think there already is a hunger out there for the for the truth, for the real truth, the truth that's not spun by any spin doctor. You know what I mean? Regardless of of you know whatever uh, acts, whomever may have to grind. What's really happening? And you know, and personally, some of the some of the, the journalists that I follow, some of the writers that I follow, tend to be those who gore all oxes. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, because I, I think that tends to be a more, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the term would be, you know, hits the ball down the middle a little bit more. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, that to me is what, you know, I think journalism has to aim for at this point. You know, I, I think there's a lot of young journalists out there who uh, see themselves on a mission. 
uh, and that mission, you know, is not necessarily to report, you know, straight down the middle. That mission may be to, you know, save the world or whatever it is. I guess I wanted to save the world when I was 23 too, you know. Uh, but I don't know that journalism is going to save the world. I think journalism is meant to report on what's happening in the world and to enable the people to save themselves. And 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 Gil, just to just to go back a, a little bit in terms of your own background. I mean, what 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 made it for you? Uh, you know, was there a moment in your life when you were growing up that you said, you know what, I want to be like, uh, you know, Woodward and Bernstein. I I I want to I want to put out the news. You know, what what was it that that draw you drew you to, you know, this this profession? I was a big Mike Royko fan. You guys remember Mike Royko? <laughs> yeah, Longtime right. columnist for the Chicago Sun Times. I just thought he was a fantastic writer. I just thought, you know, him and there was some others as well. But I just thought it was fantastic, you know, the way he wrote and the way he was able to sort of convey issues in sort of an everyday, you know, every man manner that I thought made, sometimes made things that were very complex, pretty understandable, you know. And so, and so I like the idea of, uh, I like the idea of, and I've always been sort of a news junkie, you know what I mean? Just just uh, wanting to know what's going on, you know, and, and in your community, what's happening, you know, in this place or just the world, that sort of thing. So I came at it from that perspective. I was a writer and I had an interest in the news and, you know, you were able to sort of combine that. And early on, I, I spent a lot of years as an investigative reporter. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like uh, any other skill, the more you do it, the better you get at it, the, the more you know how to do it, the more you know the questions to ask, uh, and there's always, I always, you know, was able to, when you're an investigative reporter in particular, you have to make a lot of, you have to have a lot of sort of contentious interviews. You have to, you, you know, you basically got to call somebody up and say, so when did you stop beating your wife? You know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing, you know, and, and, you know, there's, and there's a lot of times where you have to directly confront somebody and say, I've got, I've got documentation that said you did this. What's, why did you do you know, that sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it takes a certain amount of fortitude to do that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of reporters who don't want to do that. You know, it's tough, you know, it's, you know, because then you get yelled at and people threaten lawsuits and, and, you know, that's, and sometimes you do get sued. I've been sued a couple of times. We won both times, but, you know, uh, so, I, but I found it to be, you know, rewarding because there is a, there's a, a, in any community, there's a, there's a real interest in investigative journalism. People really want to know how the machine works. You know what I mean? They want to know how the gears grind together. And if the gears aren't grinding together, they want to know why. If something hinky's going on, they want to know about it. You know, so again, that's that's the role of the journalist is, is to do those stories, to ask those hard questions. You know, you get into a situation now, I, I referenced earlier, sort of the, you know, I don't want to call it the decline of journalism, but the decline of the media industry, the newspaper industry. There are a number of places, dozens of communities across this country now where the local newspaper went out of business and there is no local newspaper. They're called news deserts. And, and you know, in those places, you know, you're still probably going to have your local TV stations. You know, um, you may have some enterprising local bloggers or something like that who, who devote themselves to, you know, covering what's going on. But, you know, you're not really going to have the in-depth you're not going to have the investigative journalism. You're not going to have, you know, the press typically plays the watchdog role, going to government meetings and following, you know, what's happening in these communities. Who does that? You know, right. so when this is lost, it's a huge loss for a community. And it's one of those things I think, think sometimes 
you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know what I mean? If all of a sudden there was nobody to cover, for example, Stewart City Commissioners, Martin County Commissioners, you know, the, uh, the St. Lucie County uh, Commissioners, how would people know about things? You know, you know, would people go and, and you know, oh, they'll make a point of going to the meetings then? Probably not. What happens is people just wouldn't know about things, you know, and it would be a lot easier for government to get away with stuff, you know, for government officials to do things the way they want to do things rather than the way they should do things. You know, that's the value of being a watchdog or having a watchdog. So I think, you know, for, for us as a priest and a rabbi, they, every, a lot of stuff you've been saying just recently is in your last point, uh, the biblical backing of it would be the prophetic voice. And throughout scripture, uh, for, for both of our traditions, you have God raises up this voice in many generations who is not liked many times, um, who's looked at as a jerk uh, because he or she speaks very hard truths and calls people out. Um, and they're just speaking the hard truth. They're just saying how it is. And they're not trying to win your praise. They're not trying to win your love, win your vote, whatever. They're just telling you this, this straight fact because the truth for them is based on uh, what Yahweh, what God, what God said, this is the way we got to go. <clears throat> and that, and that, that, that prophetic voice, and we talk about, we don't really talk about prophets today, but we talk about prophetic voices. I don't know about you, Rabbi, but in the church, uh, we don't really think there's modern day prophets, but we think there's prophetic voices um, that we look to and many of those prophetic voices are just, they're not liked people just because they, they're not trying to win your love. They're just going to speak very hard truths about who we are. And I think of people in my church who, who have those voices, who are going to call people out. Um, and sometimes they get a little carried away, but many times it's, it, it needs to be heard and, and to keep us in line. This idea of a checks and balances uh, and, and to lose that, I think, uh, at least from a faith perspective, would, would, would be a great loss for, for a community. Um, do, you, do you, I think you've, you've answered this already, but just to, when I asked, like, so you guys haven't changed your tactic or strategy, um, but have, what has been the response that you felt from just the community here in Treasure Coast that, do you get the thank yous uh, that say, thank you for telling these hard truths, thank you for digging in there, um, that lets you know that like, this is still, people still hunger for this. They don't just want me to sit there and go left or right. They absolutely do. And, and you know, you do hear from those people, which is great. I, you know, there are people who pay a lot of attention to, to what, to what we do. You know, there are people who pay a lot of attention to the news, which, which is fantastic. You know, um, there are people, you know, we've done, I, I'll give an example. I didn't do this story, but TC Palm, our organization had done a story uh, it was about a quote-unquote school up in Port St. Lucie. It was really just kind of a glorified basketball camp. It was bringing all these kids in from out of the country, you know, from places like Africa. And it was, you know, it, it was like the shell of a school. It was, they were supposed to be educating these kids, but it was basically this outfit that, you know, groomed these kids to go on and play college basketball and maybe ultimately the NBA. And there was some real sort of strange things going on with money you know, with promises that had been made to these kids' parents. The school, quote unquote, was operating out of a, a nation Christian, I believe it was. The school was operating out of a storefront and sort of a nondescript shopping, you know, center in Port St. Lucie. Um, John Santucci, our sports, is our sports reporter at TC Palm. He got wind of this and all of a sudden our sports reporter became an investigative reporter. Uh, him and his editor, Cheryl Smith, they did a fantastic, fantastic job of just digging and digging and finding the guy who was behind all this that had some issues in his you know 
uh, uh, you know, at, at previous gigs and, and all of a sudden the whole thing just collapsed. You know, the whole thing, you know, the whole thing was exposed. The state stepped in and did an investigation. You know, that's an example of the type of thing that journalism, the type of value that journalism brings to a community. And yes, there are people out there, you know, thankful that, you know, when you do those sorts of stories, you know, when you expose wrongdoing, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, we, you do get a lot of positive feedback. You get, you know, you get a lot of negative feedback. I, I, I mentioned yesterday, uh, uh, I have my own sort of little fan club and anti-fan club. You know, there's one guy in particular, uh, uh, he's very, very liberal. He sends me an email almost every single day excoriating me for being too conservative, you know. <clears throat> um, but That's I've right, gotten the opposite, you know, throughout the years. People are paying attention. And it's good, you know, you want people to be paying attention because if people aren't paying attention, you know, either you're not doing a good enough job or they're not paying close enough attention to what's going on in their community. So That's great. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break just so, so we can uh, honor the people who made this uh, show possible. We had a fly-in gill all the way on a private jet. So these things cost money. So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and we're gonna find out where's the hope and what's the future of, of, of the role of the press in building a fair and just uh, society and community. We'll be right back with Gil Smart from TC Palm. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review. Five star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A uh, Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And, and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want? 
um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or, and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Awesome. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of our show. We got uh, Mr. Gil Smart, who is a journalist here on the Treasure Coast for TC Palm. Um, he is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so please don't hold that against him. Uh, but we love having him on the show. We are talking about the role of the press. How does the what is everyone's got a role in our society to build a fair and just society? The press is definitely one. We talk about them that they uh that they are checks and balances, that they are, a, a, from, from a Judeo-Christian lens, a bit of a prophetic voice. Um, however, when that prophetic voice in the Bible, I don't know, Rabbi, can you tell me, was there a time whenever there was a, a, a prophet who spoke where the rest of the community was like, yeah, that's kind of fake news? That, I, mean, I don't know, if there, was there ever a prophet that was de- decredited, if that's a verb, that, that they, they didn't say, that's not true, we don't believe you? I, I can't think of that. No, I, I mean, I can't think, in, 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 especially biblically, in terms of, you know, any prophets that, that, that had that. I know that in, in recent memory, not that we would ever remember, but, you know, in 1666, you know, you have, you have a prophet, the Messiah, so to speak, um, of the Jewish faith, who everyone thought that he was the Messiah. And then, of course, the Muslims come in and say, convert or die. Um, if you are the true Messiah, uh, it wouldn't matter, because at the end of the day, we're all accountable uh, to God, and uh, so this gentleman converted to uh, Islam and um, known as Shabbatai Zvi uh, and became a false prophet, uh, but at the same time, you know, he's he's promoting and talking what God had spoken, and the people are listening, and the question is, you know, how do we know that this is true or not? Especially if you go back biblically to our prophets, you know, they were talking about, about things that could happen 50, 100, 200 years into the future. <laughs> Well, there's no way that the average person listening to this prophet That's would right. see the end result. But I think that there is, I don't know. I mean, it, it's an interesting, I, I, it's an interesting connection between prophets um, and, and hearing the word of God and, 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 and exposing the truth in some way. And how do the people respond and how do the people listen and how do the people acknowledge the truth in what it is? I mean, today, I think that we are so challenged by well, where did you hear that from? Oh, you heard it from, you know, the Washington Post. You heard it from the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC. Well, that's got to be fake news. Well, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, that never even went into it. It was, I, I heard this on the news. Um, this was what was promoted. Now, given the fact that there are, 
you know, you know, a, a commentary that is given, spins that are taken on. But I think that there is a core truth that is put out that allows the opportunity to discern for yourself what is what is what is viable. And I think Gil was getting at that. So Gil, you mentioned this. You think that after and, and, and you're right, it's it's it was beyond before the Trump administration that this idea of the 24 hour news cycle got people thinking that there's uh, the validity of the press was being questioned. Um, but you think there might be a, a pushback, a response for people to be like, you know what, I want hard truth. And, and I'm going to honor those journalists that are pitching it straight down the middle. I don't want a curveball. I don't want, you know, something cute here. Don't give me a knuckle. I want straight. Do you, do you feel like there, there might be a pushback? Say, please, I'm just hungering for, 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 for journalists who don't give me your opinion. I mean, if your opinion, that's fine, but please, where are the outlets where I know I can just get the facts? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, there's definitely some of that. The question is how much is there of that, you know, the whole, you know, the press has basically always been accused of, of being biased back all the way back to the days of yellow journalism. You know, it was uh, uh, Spiro Agnew, uh, Nixon's vice president, who coined the term. We were the nattering nabobs of negativism. Uh, you know, he's, uh, this was back in the late 60s, early 70s. So allegations of press bias had sort of always been around, you know, but, it, but the dawn of the 24-hour news cycle and then the dawn of talk radio, the dawn of Fox News, you know, with, with sort of a very rightward sort of lean. And then the dawn of like an MSNBC, which acts as a counterbalance with sort of a leftward lean. You know what I mean? What those organizations found was that it was very profitable right. to cater to a specific audience. Yeah. Okay. The whole idea that we were going to go for everybody, we were going to shoot for everybody, you know, kind of went down the drain. So instead, we got, you know, angling towards these very specific and ultimately very loyal audiences because a Fox News' audience is extraordinarily loyal, or at least had been until Trump started trashing. And now they're going to this OAN, One America News Network, or, you know, somewhere else. MSNBC's audience is very, very loyal. They want a specific product and that outlet provides that product. It goes back to the consumerist approach, as I said. But I really do think there are people out there said, look, don't blow smoke at me, okay? Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear, all right? Tell me what's really going on. And if I don't like it, I can handle it. You know, it goes back, what's the old line? You can't handle the truth. Can we handle the truth? You know, I don't know. We don't want the truth. Too many people don't want the truth. But I think there are people who do want the truth, who want to know who are ready to question their assumption. And that is, I think, kind of where the line falls. There's a lot of us, we don't want our assumptions questioned. We want them, you know, a few trust. We want them supported. I think there's more people out there, maybe now more than ever, who say, no, that's not the way to go. But, you know, are they a constituency? Are they a market? You know, who, who will, you know, will they support journalism that does that? That's the big question. You know, Gil, I guess, I guess also just to, just to follow up on it a little bit and to go a little bit deeper in terms of, um, you know, the, 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 the ability for um, uh, censorship, uh, the, the, the challenges of um, what gets in, what does not get in. You know, I remember uh, when I was in rabbinical school, I was in Europe uh, and there was, I, I, there was something that happened one day, 55 people were arrested for, you know, plotting to blow up Heathrow Airport. And I remember calling my dad and going, oh, my God, what a crazy day today in London. And my father goes, what are you talking about? 
We don't see any of this. You know, I remember saying it's not one person. I mean, it was a, a, a tremendous amount of people that were arrested for plotting. And my father said, we don't get this. So, you know, and, and then seeing it from a European perspective that obviously is catering towards the European market, um, you know, the Middle East, this, that, and the other, and what gets filtered out in terms of what's being promoted. I mean, you know, we see it today of, you know, the events that happened this week, obviously, are, are distressing and challenging, right? That's front page news. But, you know, like 150 people get killed in Kenya, and that gets, you know, page, page 97 um, on a footnote. You know, why, you know, who makes those decisions, which I'm sure we know that they are editors of newspapers, but, you know, for you as a journalist, had you ever been in a position where you've been very passionate about something and maybe the editor or the newspaper comes back and says, well, actually, we don't want to really uh, discuss that. We think that you're better suited for, you know, this article on, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, bunny rabbits, uh, you know, eating, eating, e eating flowers in people's backyards. I mean, huge. That's huge in Treasure Coast. Huge. <laughs> It is. Uh, I've been lucky enough throughout my career to have had editors who basically said, go get them. You know what I mean? Who didn't and, and who trusted my news judgment and who didn't. You know, I mean, early on, you know, they're going to kind of guide you in the right direction sort of thing. But, you know, there are reporters out there who want to, you know, want to write, you know, you go, you go to an editor and you say, I think this is the story. And the editor says, well, no, that's not really the story. This is the story. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, but I don't think in, ter in terms of like, you know, let's not report on that because it might, you know, be inconvenient for someone or something like that. I've, I've never gotten that. I, and I like to say that, you know, I've never seen that in the newsrooms. But I've or have you gotten, it won't sell. Like, you know, Gil, I don't think people are that interested in that. I know it's an important thing for us to know, but I don't think people really care that much. Well, so you, now in particular, one of the aspects of the rise of digital journalism is the ability to see and track who reads your stuff. And how many people read your stuff prior to all this you know you'd write something in your gauge of whether it, you know it was effective or not was how many people responded you know now you can see the exact numbers i can see exactly how many hits quote unquote my last column got. you know i can see when when they got them i can see where they came from and how, whether they got to got to it from google or facebook or the tc palm homepage or whatever it is you know what I mean? So that more than anything has allowed newsrooms to shape their coverage to cover the things that people are interested in. For example, anything, virtually anything we write about Port St. Lucie goes gangbusters, okay? It, it, it tends to be some of the most read stuff on our website. Why would that be? Well, Port St. Lucie is now the seventh or eighth biggest city in Florida. You know, they've got over 200,000 people. They're starved for news up there, frankly. You know what I mean? So what do you learn from that? You learn that maybe we ought to spend a little more time covering Port St. Lucie news, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, there have been topics that I have been, you know, very interested in uh, in the past that, you know, just tend to not have done as well. You know what I mean? I did a story uh, when the whole pandemic was, was beginning to hit about live music venues, you know, like Lyric and, you know, in, in downtown Stewart and other places like that, who basically, you know, had to have had to cancel, had to cancel shows and had, you know, we're going to have to keep everything canceled for the foreseeable future. And the question was, would they survive, you know? And I found that to be a very, very interesting story. It did not do particularly well online, indicating to me that maybe other people didn't succeed as that interesting. You know, so then you have to start that changes your strategy right and yes it does absolutely so you know as as uh 
as clergy, we're constantly, uh, I think the, the, the word is exegeting. We're just analyzing our, uh, our community to understand what are, the, what are the pains, what are the hurts, what are the desires of our community so we know how to meet them. How does the church, how does the temple serve the community? From your view, and, I, and I, <laughs> it shows that how uh, clergy need to have a, be, be in touch with, with the local press. Uh, from your take and knowing now how you could track it digitally, what would you say are like the three biggest pains, the three things that really people really care about that are maybe concerned about? Um, and, and, and then, and that, cause of what I'm getting at is how does the temple, how does the church respond to kind of be there on the front lines? And so if you're going to be like, guys, what I see, what really is breaking people's hearts or what people really care about are these three things. What would you say? Growth and development is, is probably far and away the number one thing. Uh, I have my column this past week was or this past Tuesday was about how and it was about for affordable housing in the city of Stewart, but about how the fact that there are at least 1,400 apartments, condos, or townhomes on the drawing board are actually being built at this point uh, in Stewart and, and, and Martin County could ultimately lead to more affordable housing because as older housing uh, housing prices for older stock falls, you know, because you've got all this new supply coming online. That, uh, at last I looked this morning, I think that had like six or 7,000, uh, six or 7,000 hits, which is pretty darn good. Um, it was one of the leading stories on the website the last two days, specifically because I think we put a headline on there saying like, you know, thousands of new apartments coming to Stewart. And I think people's first reaction was, you know, oh my gosh, is there some new development where they're going to build a thousand houses? But I don't think it's a kind of a, a forest for the trees thing. We have reported on each of these individual developments, you know, because there's like 281 go apartments going over here, 150 going over here, 300 going over there. We've reported on each of those individual developments, but we've never seen the forest for the trees. We've never put it all together and said, guess what, guys, within 10 years, there's going to be 1,400 new apartments in Stewart and maybe twice that if these other developments pan out. And I think people went, whoa. You know, and that's an example of context, adding context for people. You know what I mean? That, that again, they may have seen the smaller stories when Stewart approved this one or Martin County approved that one, but they never put it all together. And that's part of the role of journalism is to put it all together for them. So those stories, growth and development stories, always, always, always lead the pack. Um, consumer stories always do extremely, extremely well. We have a, we had, used to have a, a reporter whose job was to cover you know, local stores, local retail, those stories always just went nuts. People love those stories. People want to know. People want, if this store is closing, it's my favorite store. People want to know, you know, or if this store, which has never been on the Treasure Coast, is coming to the Treasure Coast, people are very, very interested in those things. And then politics uh, uh, is, is in the mix as well. Local I, or national? Uh, lo well, locally, you know, but, you know, uh, it depends. Not all political stories do well. Uh, it depends maybe sort of on how contentious the story is. When we did this past year, we always do very comprehensive election coverage. Uh, and the, the I'm a member of the editorial board. In addition to writing columns, I write editorials. And we have an editorial board that every uh, election year interviews the candidates. And we did it via a, a, a program uh, called StreamYard, which is like Zoom. We did it you know, live so people could watch the interviews and then we wrote endorsement editorials. 
the, endor and the endorsement editorials were for subscribers only, which means if you don't pay to get the paper, you couldn't read the endorsement editorials. Nonetheless, those editorials did extraordinarily well on our, because people, again, people, you know, when, when a candidate's running for judge, most people don't know anything about that. Candidate. Right. Somebody's running for your local city council. You don't really, you might not really know. How do you know? How do you find out who these people are, what their position is and what their record is? That's the role of local journalism to tell you that. Okay. And because we provided that service and no one else was doing it, that's where people went. It became sort of the authoritative source for that information. And that's the value in that respect, I think, that we bring to the community. You know what I mean? Because where else are you going to get that? You're not. You can go to the individual candidate's website, but you're going to get what the candidate has to say. You know what I mean? You're not going to get so, any any sort of unbiased opinion, that sort of thing. So. And, and, and Gil, you know, when, when you write articles and you write, you know, uh, stuff for the, for, 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 for the press, um, you know, we're, we're, we're all aware, and certainly Father Anderson, um, you know, you and I are uh, keenly aware of, uh, you know, when we write sermons, for example, um, at least for me personally, as I'm sure for you, you know, we're very cautious, very cautious of our words. Uh, you know, when I write a sermon every single week, um, you know, I don't just write it and go control print and here I go. You know, I spend, I spend meticulous hours going through it. How will it be perceived? How will it be received? You know, it, and I assume the same for you. I mean, is, is, is that something that, you know, goes into your mind as you write these articles and you go back and you revise them and you edit them before, you know, uh, deadlines and everything else um, in terms of, you know, the fact that my words have meaning, my words have value. Uh, my, my words could lead towards action, as we've seen, obviously, in the past few days, um, but that words, words are important. Words matter. Absolutely, words matter. And yeah, you know, you do you do consider how it's going to be received, but you also consider like what's the what's the message you're trying to send? You know what I mean? What is it? I wrote a a column uh, earlier this week, Martin County, uh, uh, which has you know uh, been doing meetings in person, but also on Zoom, is going to end the Zoom meetings. They're going to end Zoom comments, okay? Which I think is a bad call because people. You know, Zoom, there's so many ways this pandemic is changing our society, you know, and permanently. And I think the whole advent of sort of video conferencing as we're doing right now uh, is something that was there before COVID, but has become so much more prevalent. It's kind of sort of become the way a lot of business is done. And so the idea that local, you know, you know, previously people in Martin County, if they wanted to have their say during public comment, they could do so via Zoom. They yeah. could have their say from the comfort of their own home without having to go to the meeting chambers and potentially expose themselves to the virus, okay? Now Martin County is getting, doing away with all that because they didn't have this prior to the pandemic and they don't think, you know, they want to get back to normal. I, my argument was, you know, look, this is something that should stay. This is something that should remain because it makes government more accessible to the people, okay? So what's the message you're trying to, I mean, that's the message, but, but what are you hoping to get out of that? Are you hoping you know, you think some people will say, you know, yeah, you know, because there's already people out there in the community that agree with that. You know, maybe you're trying to motivate them to say something. Maybe you're trying to motivate them to, you know, go to the commissioners and say, hey, no, we really do need to keep this. You know, what, you know, words can motivate people to do something, but I think you're right, you know, and, and you got to be careful if you're writing something or, you know, for a sermon, that if it comes from a place of anger, 
then you got to worry about what you could be motivating people to do, which we saw this last week. So. That's right. Yeah. Words matter. Yeah. Uh, your words have been uh, wonderful to have on the show, Gil. I know you've got some deadlines to meet today, so we want to uh, let you get at it and uh, create more words for us here on this, uh, in Southeast Florida. So, Because tomorrow in the front page of TC Palm <laughs> will be a priest and a rabbi. All right. Huge. Real big, real big, real big. Yep. Um, but, and just, just, just don't share what we talked about during the break. Then we'll be not, fine. Not a word. Absolutely. See, we'll keep him guessing. Uh, Gil, thank you so much. Gil is on Twitter for all of you Twitter holics out there. He's at, is it Gil TC Palm? It's TC Palm Gil Smart. Yeah. I was so close. Uh, TC Palm Gil Smart. And also he has a professional page up on Facebook, but just go get a subscription, support local journalism. If you're here, uh, do this um, at, uh, if you're on the Treasure Coast, get the digital subscription and get the hard copy. I love, I get it myself. Well, the church pays for it, but it's great. And it shows up at the door every day. And I feel like I'm back in Chicago, oddly enough, where I'm from and getting Warkle's column in the Sun-Times. That's it. God bless you, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to have you, man. All right. Take Take care. care. Peace. That's a rabbi. It it is our, 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 these prophetic voices that we, we do need them and we do need to be checked. And right now it is, we just don't like hearing prophetic voices that, that disagree with us. I mean, we, we, we normally don't like that. I mean, I think even in the Bible that people, people didn't like hearing that people from my tradition, they didn't like hearing Jesus call them out on stuff. It just, it just didn't work. And, and, and so they pushed back and ultimately led to him being killed. So it, it, it just, we struggle with having voices. And I know I get tempted that on my Twitter feed to, I have to consciously bring in outside voices that, that are respectable, not just opinion, uh, but are going to make me think and, and, and challenge me. And, and it's a checks and balances, right? No, I, I also like what, what, what Gil had said too, which is, look, if, 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 you know, in today's world of, of global village and everything else getting smaller and this, that, and the other, that you can find, if you want anything today that will prove your point, you can find it. Whereas, look, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have that opportunity. You know, uh, even the validity of what we read right? We read things on, on, on the press, we read things in the media, right? Now we're looking at things on blogs, on vlogs, and suddenly that becomes authoritative um, in and of itself as another viable means, which was not there, you know, you were to say 10 years ago, you know, I read this on, you know, uh, some blog, we would question the integrity of that because anyone, as we know, can write whatever they want and publish whatever they, whatever they see fit. Um, and I think it, it's, it, it's, I think we're really at a crossroads and a really um, a almost remarkable um, um, point in our own history of how things will, will, will go towards the future. Well, I mean, I, 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 the yeah. consumeristic part, though, I think is going to, no matter what, you got to make money. And the number one uh, department in any kind of newspaper or newsroom is the marketing department, not the journalist department. Uh, sure. So they got to keep the lights on and they're going to go where they get fed, man. And if they're going to keep on offering you food that you like, uh, people don't, we don't like to be challenged. Uh, and and uh, so, but what I wanted to ask him, and maybe we'll, we can get him back on the show or email him on this is, who are his, who are his go-to journalists or news outlets right now in just America or maybe in the globe? 
that he goes to that he says, I trust them. I feel like they're giving me a, a fastball down the middle. They're not trying to go left or right. It's straight down the middle. I'd be curious. Maybe we should email him and then share that on the next show. Where where his go tos? You, you know, and, and it's interesting. When I when I was sixteen years old, uh, and I I I was doing confirmation with my religious school program uh, when I was a kid. You know, we were shown three different clips, uh, news clips. One, um, and obviously it was about the Middle East, it was about Israel and this and the other, and it was an Israeli clip that showed what was going on in Israel. It was a Palestinian clip that was showing what was oh, going wow. on from a Palestinian perspective. And I remember thinking after seeing both of these clips, what is true? Because, it, you know, uh, each side is showing their own side. And then there was a clip done by an organization called Honest Reporting that showed the middle ground of what was really fact and what was right commentary what was what were other things and i remember at the end being very confused um and just saying i i i don't understand why we can't just show what it is and i actually do admire those journalists or or personalities when when they promote the news and say what's going on and say well now i'm going to give you my own commentary on it that i'd like because you're saying here's the fact of what it is this is my thought on what the situation uh, uh, curtails. Yep. And then, yep, yep, and then yep, yep. it allows you as a reader, as a, a watcher to be able to discern for yourself what your own position may be. That's right. Critical thinking. So, well, this has been a great show. If you guys missed any part of the show, you could always go on to our podcast. So if you go to a priest and a rabbi dot podbean.com, you get all of our, all of our incredible podcasts with the rabbi in his hair. So please subscribe. And we're on any podcast platform. You just Google a priest and a rabbi podcast and you will see the most handsome rabbi you've ever seen, the side of the Jordan River. Please subscribe, leave a comment. Um, we just love doing the show. Um, and it's a happy new year to you all. Uh, send up your prayers for our country, as I'm sure we all will be doing this weekend, whether you're at temple, mosque, or the church, to continue to pray for our leaders and leadership. God bless you all. God bless you, rabbi. And we will see you next Friday here.